0: We are back this week after a busy weekend of kissing babies and shaking client hands at the 2024 World Outlook Conference in Vancouver. It was a great turnout and great to see hundreds of clients in the audience. I'm going to kick off the festivities with a snippet of a recent presentation I gave on the powerful impact of adding just one or two great capital compounding stocks can have on your portfolio in your entire lifetime. Aaron, We'll update you on the massive move for Meta Platforms, META, on the NASDAQ, formerly Facebook, which announced plans to implement a dividend last week. Brennan will circle back on Relic Health Technology, symbol RHT, on the TSX Venture, a telemedicine provider that develops virtual care solutions for the healthcare market. We have fielded in a number of questions on the company And While revenue growth was evident, the lack of profitability made it for a non-starter based on our criteria, and Brennan told listeners to steer clear of this business. With it down another 55% since the last time we reviewed it on the show in the summer of this past year, Brennan answers another viewer question on Relic. Finally, Brett answers a viewer question on Linamar Corporation, symbol LNR on the TSX, an advanced manufacturing company for automotive and manufacturing usage. Recent acquisitions have spurred growth, and the valuations are looking intriguing. Brett will give you his thoughts on the company. All right, let's get to the show. I'm going to welcome my co-host, Mr. Aaron Dunn and the Killer Bees, Brett and Brennan. Welcome. How are you guys doing?
1: Good. Big weekend.
0: Yes, I was going to say we're at the
1: biggest event of the year. Well, I mean, I'd I'd say biggest event, at least for that
0: type of event. Without a doubt, for uh, in, in meeting clients, uh, you know, potential new clients for us, we talked to a lot, chatted with a couple management teams. Uh, I hosted a lunch myself and Aaron presented on Saturday to a crowd of about eight, nine hundred plus. There's about a thousand or two thousand that watch it online. So it's a, it's a good event, and we have a great dinner there every year with Michael Campbell, this year, former president or prime minister president. That would be impressive. Uh, oh, Gordon Premier. Campbell, uh, Victor Adair, Ozzy, and a cast of other yeah. individuals were there. So it was good capper. Premier. Yes, Premier. Premier? Premier. I wanna, I'm want i just one trying to make him learn. prime minister, right?
2: Well, you're trying to make him president a minute ago. Eh,
0: <laughs> either one. I take him for all three over what's existing right now. How about that? There you go. A- Aaron tried to get him to run again. <laughs> I, mean,
1: actually, I just it. I asked his opinion <laughs> yeah. on it. He didn't seem too open though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think at this stage he's like, ah, I've done that. All right, yeah, we're we're moving right. on."
3: Yeah, you All also right. uh, missed that I rang in the bell with Michael Campbell. Oh,
1: that was the highlight of the whole weekend.
3: Huge! Can highlight? we do we have some
0: bell. footage on Brennan out yeah. front? Yeah,
3: this this aired today, which is uh, Tuesday morning. Um, so yeah. ringing so just, the bell uh,
1: for the TSX opening of the TSX stock exchange, mm-hmm. which is yes. yeah.
0: So we'll put that up so you guys can Brennan. see my ugly mug some more. It'll be great to see Brennan ringing that in with uh, Campbell. And... Six, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, so uh, you guys found the event well. Did you guys enjoy yourself, Aaron? What do you oh, think? loved it, yeah. Good I event, mean, I, yeah.
1: I thought that... Uh... My main event speech was great you did a good opening speech for me um
0: opening which i thought yeah. that everybody warm mentioned. up act yeah. right yeah
1: yeah no i thought it was really good um i i really enjoy speaking there so it's it's a pretty big crowd i mean i don't know what's like a thousand people or something maybe more yeah in that range for sure a yeah. thousand yeah. I mean, 1, to 1500 maybe even um yeah. and then more and watching I, course, it
0: online which is awesome you get
1: the yeah. opportunity to see a lot of clients that you've known over the years that you only see at that event so mm-hmm. a lot of familiar faces, and you know, faces that you missed during the pandemic. And it was nice. Last year was the first live event, yeah, um, since the pandemic. So that was nice to see some people that I hadn't seen in ages. And you uh, you kind of appreciate it more when you when when all the live events get taken away. But now now we're back, and it's yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah, and more. It was a lot more and there's people speaking
1: in front of a crowd of thousand plus people than speaking in front of my computer screen and. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, it's a lot more fun. Uh, yeah, I find, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's more engaging, and yeah, it, it was good. There's well, people for it's on it in Vancouver. Was the
1: highlight of the uh, one
0: of yeah. the Keystone yeah. mug, yeah, which well, we gave out about twenty
1: of them. Favorite side of the Keystone mug here.
0: Yeah, yeah. If you're a client and you got a mug at the event, uh, comment on the comment section below. See if you like it, and uh, and the mug's and again, already out of date too. I think it's not microwave safe so no don't no, melt it problem for me it's the no. cork yeah yeah
1: it's, it's nice looking though
0: yeah mm-hmm. that's good no it was it was good there's people it's in vancouver but there's people from all over the country we had a uh, person at the booth from uh from uh, the rock out you know on the other side of the country and there's people a lot of people from Alberta, like South, saskatchewan yeah yeah yeah, it
3: was good. I enjoyed talking to people at the booth. I always do. I mean, it's always like nerve wracking a little bit, you know, to get in public, you know, working from home, um, of course. But, you know, once you get there, you know, it's just great. You know, I just love shaking hands and talking to people who I've, you know, emailed back and forth with, you know, clients so much, you know, and, and giving them some, um, you know, ideas and, and whatnot. And it's just great to actually, you know, talk to them, see who you're actually talking to via email. Um And of course, people walking up to the booth and being like, killer bees? To me and Brett, and you know, Mm. yeah, (laughs) I love it.
0: (laughs) You're loving it. And then you stung them, right? Uh, Out of nowhere, somehow. All right. Do you you guys want to get to the poll question? Yeah, let's do it. We had a poll question last week.
2: That we did. Uh, We're starting to put out some more polls on uh, YouTube, so uh, you can just go to the community section if they don't pop up on your front page to vote. But this last one we did is we asked you, our lovely viewers, what do you think the worst-performing index of 2024 is going to be? We had going from the highest to lowest. uh, So what do you think is going to be the worst to the best is at the bottom of the barrel, the TSX Venture at 53% of the votes. Then the NASDAQ, surprisingly, at 19%. The TSX comp at seventeen and the S and P five hundred at eleven.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't think the uh, bottom one there is that surprising. It's kind of an index that's underperformed historically. What surprised me is time. there wasn't more people
1: that picked it. To be honest, yeah. I'm yeah. surprised so many people picked the Nasdaq.
3: I voted for it, so the NASDAQ. maybe. Uh, no, going no, no, not Nasdaq. The TSXV uh, um, being the well, worst, you know, when it's just bad. like. We're seeing so many companies have like tough comparables off of elevated, you know, inflated commodity prices. So, I mean, that's yeah. kind of like the great like thing about my most thought at least. T-
1: TSX venture companies is that they don't really have any financials to compare themselves against yes. like previous years. So, <laughs> that's true.
0: it's true. And uh, the thing is, uh, at some points last year, he had good per- commodity price performance, but mm-hmm. the index didn't perform well overall. Mm-hmm. The gold price was up significantly uh, and uh, the index was still down. So yeah. I think people maybe are maybe thinking they're being contrarians on the NASDAQ, which had a tremendous year last year. And maybe it comes off a little, but uh, started off with a bang again this year. We'll see where it ends up and see who is right. And it will be Brennan, as always. Right, Brennan?
3: I don't know. My prediction track record's pretty bad, so I don't know if you you guys should trust me. <laughs> Short whatever he says.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yes, make up
1: yes. Fund out of that, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure, yeah. in the
0: in the crazy times there, they were making funds of about almost anything, were they uh, not? Brennan? So we reverse we could have the Brennan Brent. reverse Brennan index, reverse so. Kramer.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh right, the reverse Kramer index. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm excited to get to your have seg- a segment, a, Aaron.
1: How about have a slide? Yeah kramer in my uh in my yeah i'm excited for
0: that (laughs) we're all excited all right well let's get through this let's get to the um i'm going to share my screen right here quickly all right so this is an excerpt here from a a presentation i gave recently uh the slides here uh are really showing some of uh keystone's great capital, capital compounding recommendations over time the point of this section was to show investors the powerful effect of adding Just one or two truly great stocks can have on your portfolio. And I said, it's a very simple but powerful concept, but not one you'll hear from most advisors. Essentially, investing your two or three truly great stocks in your lifetime can be game changing in your portfolio. But don't just take my word for it. In fact, the past year, Warren Buffett, perhaps the greatest investor of all time, stated that in his 58 years of Berkshire management, his satisfactory And we all know they're well above satisfactory results have been the product of about a dozen truly great decisions. That would be about one every five years. So let that sink in. What he is saying is that only 12 great investments or stocks in his almost 100 years on this earth made him one of the richest humans on the planet. It does not take many. And perhaps most importantly, they do not have to be complicated moonshot businesses that promise to change the world. Often they are most boring or mundane businesses you can imagine. One of Buffett's greatest wins came from Coca-Cola. They are a seller of soda pop. Others include Bank of America, a banking business, American Express, all businesses we can understand, all returning massive capital compounding returns and are all a reminder of this, that boring businesses, can produce astonishing returns with less risk. Now, I like to give real-world examples from our research, and these are the types of boring businesses from our research that you can look at today. Uh, Four of Keystone's recommendations that have literally changed the fortunes of our clients' portfolios. Uh, I put these numbers up here because they kind of make us look smart. Quite frankly, the other three guys need it here, but me, not so much. So I, I do it for them. My real point is here to show that boring businesses can produce astonishing returns. What does Boyd do? They own automobile repair shops. They fix cars. Hammond Power makes electrical transformers. It's been in a business for over a hundred years. Expel, they sell automobile paint protection film. Water furnace makes geothermal heating and cooling systems for homes. Not sexy, but look at those returns and that's what you're looking for. Having heard this, I say a couple of questions should pop into your mind. How can I find the next expel? And we get this question all the time. Boy, the Hammond Power or Water Furnace, or what do these great businesses have in common? Now, as far as the profile of a stock you should be looking for, we have literally created three-hour webinars on this topic. We don't have time to go into that today, but you want to keep it simple. You're looking for great cash-flowing businesses with good management teams that trade at reasonable prices and have a long-term growth path ahead of them. Now, number two question should be, how do you construct a portfolio to capitalize on the great capital compounding stocks like these? Well, first, as we say, do not build it with the traditional big bank portfolio model, where you essentially, your advisor complicates your portfolio with 5 to 25 plus ETFs, funds, or other investment vehicles, each of those owning 50 to 200 plus stocks leading to a portfolio that holds 500 to a thousand stocks which is essentially owning the market if you construct a portfolio in this matter even if one of these great stocks makes it into your portfolio it will be one of 500 or a thousand plus individual stocks which will not move the needle in terms of returns for your portfolio what we advise to do is very simple build your own stock portfolio take control if you want to beat the market You cannot just be the market owning five to 25 plus ETFs or mutual funds. Now, what you can do is create your own simple equity portfolio. It's a strategy that we've coined focused diversification. What you're doing is building 15 to 25 stocks in a portfolio gradually over a period of 12 to 24 months. What this does is reduces risk or exposure to short term market corrections And it provides flexibility to add to new positions as new opportunities or new research becomes available. What is the process here? Well, if you're going to use our research service or you wanted to go it alone today, start the process. You can start with three to five initial positions or stocks to add to your portfolio. You can add two to three new stocks per quarter as new information or research is released. You can also layer into those positions. You don't have to buy a full position. Say you had $100,000. Let's just use round numbers and we're going to buy 10 stocks. Take 100, divide it by 10. It's 10,000 in each. You might buy a half position, which would be 50% of that or $5,000 to start and add to that over time. So let's look in practice an example of what uh, the structure of a portfolio built with a focused diversification strategy would look like here we can see our three core areas of research. You're going to have seven to 10 stocks deployed into these three core areas. The core areas, Canadian small cap growth stocks, those lesser known companies, good profitable businesses, core Canadian dividend growth stocks, and core U.S. growth stocks, seven to 10 in each area. I put together a simple example also. It's an allocation example here. If we see if you had a $500,000 portfolio, nice round number, 20 stocks in each with an equal weighting. What I mean by that is if you have $500,000 to deploy, divide that by 20 individual stocks, you're equally weighting them at 25,000 in each. Now, what my goal here is to show you is how impactful one great stock can become on a $500,000 portfolio. As you can see here, this is the $500,000 portfolio. 15 years ago, for example, Boyd was included on an equally weighted basis as our top, one of our top recommendations at that time. Today, if you would have bought them with that $25,000 position as one of those 20 stocks, Boyd itself would be worth in the range of $3.3 million. Just one stock is worth nearly seven times the entire original portfolio. Literally, all other 19 stocks in that portfolio could have gone to zero, and this portfolio would still be in solid shape. Of course, we are not looking to uh, have all 19 other stocks go to zero. We're looking for growth in those businesses as well. But it shows you the truly amazing power a great stock can have on your portfolio if combined with the right research with a portfolio built in this model. Now, if you had a million dollars in that portfolio, it would be worth $6.6 today, that one position in Boyd. And the returns are even better if we use Hammond Power in this example that is now outperforming Boyd. So I think there my point is made and we can move on to comments from our other gentlemen on this podcast. They got nothing. No,
3: I I got something because I need to make myself look (laughs) smart um, after you were uh, sending shade our way. Um, I had one conversation with that's a, all you
0: remember from that entire presentation is that no, little no. bit of shade, right? I'm just um,
3: so I had one conversation with a uh, a lady at the booth. And you know, I said kind of what you were saying where, you know, we're, we're looking for, you know, like our value proposition is we're going through every single stock in Canada, we're going through 1000s in the US to find, you know, the Boyd or the Hammond. And I said that to her where, you know, all of the other stocks in your portfolio could literally go to zero. You know, like you said, there, Ryan, the nineteen could go to zero, and I, and she gave me a crazy look, like, what, what do you mean? And you know, I'm just we're using that as, as an example again, That's like Ryan said, house. it's it's an extreme example. You know, again, the businesses that we're looking at and recommending, they're cash flow producing, they're not cash burning. Um, you know, good balance sheets. These companies, you know, aren't going to go to zero. I have been with Keystone for, you know, five years now, and I have not seen any of our stocks go to zero, <laughs> you know, so just uh, making sure that that is uh, clear uh, for people who, uh, who heard that.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, like we said, those 20 stocks, the other 19, not all of them are going to be successful. And, mm-hmm. and uh, even if you've done all the research in the world, if we've done all the research in the world, you're going to have some losers in that area. But if you have, you know, a few great stocks in there, it allows you to make mistakes, but you also can get good gains in that other part of your portfolio. And then you can really uh, achieve the wealth that a lot of people are really looking for. Um, if you just want to mirror the market, uh, there's better ways to do it than most people are doing it out there too. Just buying simple, low cost, you know, three ETFs to cover, one to cover Canadian, one US and one international. Um, many people are being charged like a 2% administration fee to do that. You don't need... To do that, you don't need our services or help to do that. People come to us because they're looking to beat the market and they're dissatisfied with their returns in uh, you know their general big bank type design portfolio. And you know that we're trying to have them have a fighting chance to structure their portfolio properly to be able to take advantage of good gains in companies and and not just be the market. That's why we're, you know again we're not buying two or three stocks, we're not buying hundreds of stocks. It's a sweet spot in 15 to 25, depending on the size of your portfolio.
3: Yeah. One thing that I'd also like to add just, you know, that Aaron made in his speech at the World Outlook, which I think is like an important and it it was really good where, you know, he was complimenting Ryan and saying that, you know, Ryan's, you know, small cap discovery research has been very top tier, you know, not only because he's found, you know, the Hammonds or the Boyds or whatever, um, you know, there's many other names that, you know like um, International Road Dynamics, H2O Innovation, which just recently got taken out, Um, you know. um, Photon Control. Photon Control. Again, like these are, (laughs) thank you, Ryan. It's okay. Uh, Like these are companies that, you know, 200, 300, 400% returns as well. Um, So again, you know, obviously we're looking for those, you know, 1,000% returns on stocks. But, uh, you know, again, we're we're finding other businesses that uh, are obviously, you know, um, having value. Uh, over the long term,
0: well, everything. Yeah, and the, the thousands are not the most. I don't realistic. appreciate
1: being reminded that I actually complimented wrong. That's true. Yeah, I don't
3: blame, <sighs> you. I don't blame yeah, you. Moving well, on people, from that,
1: people, I'll just say people ask a lot um, about how we can find the next boy or the next expel or the next Hammond, <clears throat> and you don't necessarily know when you're recommending a company where it's going to end up. But the the point is. You're 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 basing it on the model, so the model of all of these companies is the same, and that's that they're profitable businesses um, that are growing and that that have some type of a, a growth strategy or are serving a market where that growth should be sustainable over time. So then that compounds. Um, in the case of Boyd and Ham and Expel, when they were originally recommended, they were largely unknown and underfollowed, right? So that's another thing. So finding a great business, the great product, in a strong market. That is that is being ignored, and that doesn't happen every time. That doesn't happen every recommendation. But in order to find the next Hammond, you you stick with that model, really. And um, as long as you stick with that model, even though a Hammond doesn't come, you know, every month or even every year, uh, you eventually get exposed to the Hammonds.
0: Yeah, and you have the potential if you structure mm-hmm. your portfolio that yeah. way. That's and that's the ones that don't
1: make. become Hammonds more often than not still go on to perform very well. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well, we're going to move on to Aaron. He's going to take a look at uh, the big jump in Meta Platforms or Facebook last week as they implemented a dividend and they, they had their quarterly results as well.
1: Excellent. So, we're going to talk about Meta Platforms, symbol M E T A on the NASDAQ. Company is a $1.17 trillion company, so part of the Magnificent or Mega Cap 7. Uh, it's trading at a price of just under $460 per share, and it just started paying a dividend, which equates right now to a modest yield of 0.2%. So, Meta, which is of course formerly known as Facebook, is a leading social media and technology company. Uh, most people know it for its, its main platform, which is Facebook, but it also includes other social media platforms like Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp. Uh, they recently also ventured into the augmented or virtual reality space, um, which is done through their subsidiary Reality Labs. So the company had big news. It's been in the, in the news uh, quite a bit over the last few days. They put out their Q4 results on February 1st and initiated a quarterly dividend. Uh, the stock jumped about 20%. That's $197 billion gain in one day which uh, breaks the record for the biggest market cap gain of any stock in history. Um, now, we do have to be fair here uh, and mention that Facebook or Meta also holds, holds the record for the biggest market cap loss in history as well, What's happened in February of last year, and it was a $232 billion decline in the market cap. Um, quite uh, quite massive and, and so big that it actually made uh, Kramer, Jim Kramer cry on live TV, which he got criticized for. We made fun of him for that as well because he had been recommending uh, Meta at the time. He, he was quite positive on the company. Um, they, they came out with a bad quarter um, and it made him cry. And uh, he said that he was wrong. He made a mistake. He trusted the management, sh- or management team, sorry. Uh, and that that was ill-advised. Now <laughs> somewhat coincidentally, I guess, shortly after he said that, The stock started to go up and it's been one of the top performers from last year. So he probably should have just stuck with his original thesis. But anyways, uh, that's neither here nor there. We're going to take a look at these Q4 results and just break them apart a little bit and see what's been going on. So uh, revenue growth, very strong, 25% to $41 billion for the quarter. Um, But income from operations up 156% to $16.4 billion dollars. And then the operating margin more than doubling um, to 41% from 20% in the same quarter last year and earnings per share of 533, which is a 203% increase. So uh, great results, certainly on the surface. What we're seeing here is strong revenue growth, um, but also a decline in in expenses as well, um, which is really what has driven a lot of the operating income growth and, and earnings per share growth looking at some of the operational highlights, uh, some of the metrics that uh, the company uses, family, daily, active people. When they say family, they mean their family of social media products. So that includes Facebook, Instagram, and the others as well. But uh, 3.19 billion on average for December, which was an 8% increase year over year. Uh, Monthly active people was 3.98 billion, an increase of 6%. And when we look at ad impressions and we have to, Keep in mind that Facebook is is very much an ad company. I think about 95% of their their revenues come from ads. So ad impressions and price per ad, very important metrics. Well, in Q4 ad impressions increased by 21% year over year, average price per ad increased by 2%. Now for the full year, impressions increased 28% while the average price per ad declined by 9%. But obviously they're still, they they made that, that price decline up through volume. Uh, and then another very uh, key key factor here was headcount. So ended the year at just over sixty-seven thousand employees, but that's a decrease of twenty-two percent year over year. So we've heard a lot about these big tech companies laying off workers, laying off a lot of their tech uh, technology staff, um, and that was also um, undoubtedly a, a major factor in the in the higher margins and the uh, the lower expenses. So really there's a few things in play here in terms of why people were so optimistic about Meta. So one was obviously just the fantastic results. Um, but we also have to keep in mind, that's not a revenue growth. That's a lot of, um, operational efficiencies, which do have a limit at some point, one would think, at least operating efficiency gains of that magnitude. But another is really that Meta is, um, really came out as focusing on AI. Now this isn't a, uh, this this isn't news to people that have been following Meta. Meta has been very active within the AI space, launching some of the top um, open source large language models competing with with OpenAI's model, GPT. But um, they really came out with a focus on artificial intelligence and started to identify some specific opportunities. Um, Now of course there's the metaverse as well, which is the augmented reality, the virtual reality they're still focused on that. It, it's not generating much in terms of revenue. I think about one and a half percent of revenue right now, um, but it's it's losing money. So really they're indicating um, AI as being a major growth opportunity. Um, one of the goals here is to develop the most popular and advanced AI products and services. So they're talking about AI assistance, AI for creators and businesses, and state-of-the-art open source models for developers, which they've done. So they believe that this is going to produce a wide range of potential revenue streams Uh, They want to invest, continue to invest aggressively in their compute infrastructure for AI. So this is all of the um, cloud computing infrastructure that essentially runs the models. Um, This is also a competitive advantage as well. And then just research into general artificial intelligence. So this is essentially AI that can do anything that a human can. Uh, That's not where AI is right now. That's the long-term objective of everybody, essentially, who's at the, the top tier of the space, like open AI. And and Meta and, and Alphabet as well. But they're, uh, they're, they're very focused here. And one of the things that they believe is a competitive advantage is that they want to strategically utilize the data that they get from their social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and, and Messenger in order to train these AI systems. So I would agree that is a competitive advantage that Facebook has. Uh, it's a very competitive space right now. I mean, you have Microsoft, you have Alphabet, you have Meta. These are really the three top companies, I think, in the space. Um, but they're all looking to come out with the top assistance uh, and the top, uh, the top tools for creators and businesses. So it's, um, it's a very competitive space, but one of the things I spoke about at my speech at the World Outlook Conference was that investors should stick to companies that have established competitive advantages. And I think that we could look at, at Meta as having some pretty strong competitive advantages. So looking forward for growth, um, analysts are quite optimistic on where the company's going right now. So, uh, mid, the mid, um, midpoint of consensus estimates for the current year is 1937. That would be about 30% earnings growth over last year. And then they're looking, analysts are looking at about 16, 17% growth to 2257 at the midpoint, um, for next year. So this puts Meta at about 23 times, 24 times, current year's expected earnings 20 times next year's expected earnings. So, you know, really it's, it's, uh it's, it's what I would consider to be a reasonable valuation on Meta stock and fundamentals across the board are, are pretty, um, pretty, pretty spectacular, pretty strong for Meta. I mean, it's, it has a net cash balance sheet, I think about 65 million in cash, about maybe 18 million in debt. Um, so it, 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 as I said, it has those strong competitive advantages. It's targeting um, a space where presumably there's going to be a lot of Growth, albeit a lot of competition right now. So, one of the things that I've always said about Meta in the past that's been a little bit of a complaint from an investment perspective is that they are so leveraged to Facebook. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, they're two main social media platforms, um, but mostly Facebook. And I don't know any younger people, like, say, in my family, for example, that have any interest in Facebook, right? Like, the, the youngest generation is on is on TikTok primarily and Snapchat. Um, You know, most millennials use Instagram over Facebook, which is still a a, a better property, but um, social media can be such a fickle space. So you just never know how those trends progress over time. But it is looking like the company is focused on diversifying its revenue streams and targeting AI for that. So I think the fundamentals are very strong um, in terms of where we go next with the company. You know, that would really just depend as I'd said, Meta is is a member of the mega cap seven technology stocks in the U.S. We already have a couple recommendations companies that we prefer, just on a a growth risk perspective that we think are better diversified businesses, um, and also have growth and, and great fundamentals across the board. But um, I like I like what I'm seeing with with Meta right now.
3: Yeah, um, number one, I just think you know, like Kramer coming on on TV. I think it was like October of 2022. It li- The stock literally hit like, uh, you know, it's low. And then, you know, he went on TV, cried, said, I failed you guys. And we only saw the stock go, you know, up. Since
1: Pretty much that. right after that. Yeah, yeah,
0: it was yeah. literally right after yeah. that. Um, Again,
1: there's that fund. There's that reverse Kramer fund, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. We should check that. It must be killing it, right?
3: I mean, and I don't know if he was actually, you know, saying – you know, I'm out, I'm selling because I think I was looking at an, an article of him talking about you know buying it again in October of twenty twenty three. So, you know, he might have been on the buy when it was higher again and it rebounded. I don't know. Um, but either way, it's it's quite interesting. Well, he was you know, quite one quite thing that's
1: about the decline.
3: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And like fact, that's a lot the of thing. Like thought
1: it wasn't worth crying over,
0: even if you made a yeah, mistake. It's, yeah, exactly. exactly. Um you think <laughs> like mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't he make four hundred recommendations a show? Like,
1: I think he was quite quite vocal about Meta was the thing as it was going yeah. down. And
0: uh, mm-hmm. I just, yeah. I mean, I haven't honestly watched the show in years, but I just used to watch him hammer a buy yeah. button and, you know, it's basically like. <laughs> then he's like, yelling. I mean, he's buy! pretty vocal about every recommendation. This is awful. This is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. uh it, You know, it's financial infotainment or something. I yeah. Don't know what it was yeah.
3: About. Exactly. One thing that I'll also yeah. say about Meta is I, uh, I ended up watching an interview with Lex Friedman, who is a uh, professor at MIT, I believe, as well as uh, Mark Zuckerberg. So Mark Zuckerberg came on Lex's podcast and they ended up doing a podcast in the, the metaverse. So essentially, um, Lex ended up getting his whole face scanned and his body scanned. And so did Zuckerberg. They had to go to an actual facility and do this. Um, They found
0: out he was a robot.
3: No, they didn't find out that he was a robot. But, you know, it it is interesting. Like, I'm sure that there's, you know, like Aaron was saying, lots of competition with this um, or other companies trying to do the same thing. But, you know, the detail. Um, even, you know, if you go and look or watch the the video on YouTube, I think it was posted like September of 2023 when they did this podcast and just the detail. And even when Lex is in there with, you know, the virtual reality goggles on looking at Mark, he's just saying like, wow, I can see every single crease in your in your forehead. Like, it's just so real. I feel like, you know, this is basically nobody a wants to see that. <laughs> no, um,
1: you could just erase them if you.
3: Yeah that's, that's
0: good
3: yeah now i'm gonna sip some water like mark zuckerberg
0: that's a nice mug <laughs> yeah all right let's are we moving on
3: i think we're moving on
0: we're going to relic
3: we relic are from a... the
0: beach Comers. <laughs>
3: oh yeah I forgot. <laughs> no about one that.
0: knows what i'm talking about when i say
3: i do know what uh you're relic
0: talking. health technology symbol rht on the tsx venture brennan is going to uh reprise his segment on this he's going to um Look at this company from at least the second, maybe third time. Third I time, think it's at the least third. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's my. We third keep time. getting questions.
3: Yes, you guys ended up. Um, People are very it passionate about in 2019 this company. Before I was with you guys, um, so yeah, this question came in from Anna via email on Relic Health Technologies Inc. RHT on the TSX Venture. Uh, it's currently trading at a price of, well, it's halted right now at about twenty-one cents or twenty-two cents has a market cap of 41 million, uh, and the company uh, is a telemedicine provider that provides virtual care solutions for the healthcare market, uh, and it offers its iUgo care platform, a software as a solution that allows patients to receive care in home. So to remind listeners, yeah, we have reviewed Relic a few times on the podcast. Once in 2018 as a dog, when the stock was down 85%, Over the course of that year, because the company was, you know, putting up severe losses on some of the contracts that it had recently secured, you know, there was optimism around those contracts, Uh, they didn't really turn into uh, profits, Um, you know, and keeping in mind at that time, the business was primarily or sorry, completely contract driven then in September of 2022 and again in August of 2023 we reviewed the stock as a year stock our take segment considering the company had switched from primarily a hardware hardware business to a software as a service model uh, in 2021 and it was showing good revenue growth but no profitability and you know since I covered the stock last in August of 2022 the stock is down or 2023 sorry uh, the stock is down 55%. So what is driving the stock lower? Well, number one, uh, Relic's last quarterly financial results were reported back in May of 2023, uh, which was for Q3 ended March 31st of 2023. And these were the financials that I reviewed on the podcast over six month ago, months ago. Uh, and I did say at that time, um, you know, revenue was showing good trajectory and they were just breaking into profit, uh, which was good to see at least. Um, So, you know, however, though, uh, the company ended up announcing on October 31st that it was unable to file its audited annual financial statements and expected to file them on November 14th. The November deadline uh, went by without any results, and the company then announced that it expects to file its annual filings on or before January 12th, 12th of 2024 but this date also passed. So currently outstanding are both the annual financial results, uh, which are for the period ended June 30th of 2023, as well as Q1 of 2024, uh, which was for the period ended September 30th, 2023. And as a result of the missed deadlines, the Canadian Investment Regulatory uh, Organization placed a temporary trade suspension on the stock, which is still in place right now. Now, number two, on what is driving the stock lower? Uh, you know, just further dilution. Management stated in 2023 that they expect strong growth in 2024, and that it did not expect to need to raise capital or take on debt to fund operations. However, as I predicted, would likely take place given the negative cash flow. On October 5th, the company raised about six million dollars uh, for uh, 15 million shares, which now places the company's outstanding share count at above 220 million. Shares outstanding. And I'm just going to leave this uh, YouTube comment up on the screen here uh, from Josh Jordan as it aged quite well, uh, or at least for me, um, in relation to my prediction that the business will have to continue to dilute to keep the lights on. And he says they will not need to dilute more shares to keep the lights on. They will not need to do that. They have more cash on hand and will most likely buy shares back in 2023. Well, that didn't happen. So, Going um, to the other reason why the stock was down. Uh, So while all this has been going on, um, there's been a bit of a uh, shuffling with management as the CEO, Dr. Lisa Crossley resigned for health reasons. Um, And then they brought in a new uh, CEO or interim CEO, Chris Shields. So overall you know, uncertainty is definitely heightened at this point and is essentially why we have seen the stock lower by over 50% in the past six months. But as I said, in August, I think that it will be crucial to ensure the business can maintain its slight profitability achieved in Q3 of 2023, which was, you know, reported almost a full year ago now. Uh, But clearly, you know, investors of Relic remain in the dark and we have no idea if the company will uh, continue on its path of, you know, uh, profitability um, going forward here, so yeah, that's uh, that's Relic. Um, you know, not a great story for shareholders at this time. Um, and again, you know, I need to make clear this is not a recommendation. I've been steering clear, or I've been telling uh, clients to steer clear, or not even clients, listeners uh, to steer clear from this stock, just because again, you know, we've seen good revenue growth, but we need to see that actually translate into profitability. They've announced so many of these large contracts. But again, um, until the company can make consistent profits, uh, we just aren't sure about the business model.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a good summary. I think, I mean, our basic criteria is cash flow, profitability, and, uh, you know, there's some revenue growth, but we haven't seen the. Cash flow that we need to see on a per share basis grow to drive the share price higher. And uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's also some other issues obviously going on here with the business, not filing uh, that, you know, it's, it's hard to comment on what exactly is going on there, but it's, you know, the, the overall numbers don't meet our criteria. And then, you know, when somebody asks about it, that's all we can comment that it just doesn't meet our criteria, which includes profitability because what we're trying to do is protect against uh, some of the downside we've seen in this company from where it was at its highs mm-hmm. uh, when you don't have that underlying cash flow supporting the share price. All right. Do we have any other comments on relic or I think it, we basically beat that one.
1: Yeah. I think a it's dead good.
0: Horse, Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brett, you're going to talk about Linamar, which is a company in a significantly different position. Uh, they are an advanced manufacturing company for automotive and manufacturing usage. Uh, but uh, some acquisitions and some good growth in the business and reasonable, relatively, look like reasonable valuations.
2: Yeah, no, I'll, I'll get into it. Like Ryan said, uh, going through Linamar, we got the question from Greg via email as well. If you want one of our lovely mugs, mm. yeah, you, you should uh, send yes. your questions in. And uh, if you get chosen, we'll send you out a mug as well. I think we have another nice box worth of them after the conference. <laughs> but true. getting into Linamar
0: they were very popular they were the we, we, had, we had quite incredible. a few people
2: come up and ask for them so yeah beg get, beg yeah beg yeah. send send in your questions if you want a mug yeah. and yeah, we'll probably true. end up getting more down the line but yeah get them all you can
3: they were just begging you guys they were threatening me they were like
0: wow they take it to a whole mug. new level with you right yeah. it's true <laughs> just
2: kidding they, they know the weakest link
0: pleases yeah
2: <laughs> Okay, but uh, Linamar, like I said, got a question from Greg. Uh, But Linamar is an advanced manufacturing company for automotive and industrial usage. The company is broken down into two segments, industrial, which includes equipment like scissor lifts, as well as farming equipment for all parts of the crop production cycle once they have acquired their latest acquisition, Borgalt. On the mobility side, products include vehicle chassis, engines, transmissions, and components for electrification. The stock is currently trading about $65 or a $4 billion market cap with a yield of 1.4%. The stock is trading down 11% over the past year. Looking at the last quarter, Q3 2023, revenue was up 16% to $2.43 billion. Gross profit increased 22.5% to $340 million, which is at a 14% margin, an improvement over the prior years, 13.2%. Moving down the income statement, operating earnings, grew at 15.6% to $214 million, a flat margin of 8.8% compared to the prior year. EPS grew at 13.3% to $2.38, a net margin of 6%. For nine months, EPS grew 25.1% to $6.47% at a margin of 5.5%. Further removing the impact of foreign exchange or FX and certain cap. Certain gains and losses on non-operating activities, EPS, normalized EPS for the nine months, increased actually 45.9% to $6.80 for $4.66. The normalization is really just an attempt at them isolating what their actual operations. So you'll see that quite commonly, they'll remove foreign exchange, one-time gains or losses. It's really just to see how the company's actually doing within management's ability year over year, but it doesn't replace Gap EPS. But shifting to the balance sheet, the company has cash on hand of $695 million with debt of $1.7 billion, resulting in a net deposition of $1 billion and leverage of 0.8 times off adjusted EBITDA. However, after the quarter's end and closing now in Q1 2024, just last week from the time of recording, they finalized their acquisition of Bergold for $640 million, increasing leverage to $1.4 times. The acquisition is the continuation of its diversification strategy into farming equipment. The company is now able to offer equipment for the full broad acre crop production cycle. Regalt is expected to add sales in the range of 450 to 500 million, with its operating margin in range similar to the industrial segment that they currently have of 14 to 18 percent. The company expects roughly 55% of its operation earnings now to come from the industrial segment and the remaining to come from mobile, remaining 45% be, uh, come from mobile after this acquisition, which previously five or six years ago, it was dominantly mobile. So the diversification into industrial is significant now at this point. Quickly jumping to a slide from their corporate presentation showing the historic leverage, Linamar has been able to lower leverage after acquisition before deleveraging as the company acquired companies and assets, or re-leveraging, I should say, as the company has acquired companies over the past two years. You can see they were effectively net zero leverage, and then as they inf- uh, bought GF Casting, then Southward, then assets from Dura and Mobex and Shiloh. That they increase their leverage over that time and they're still lower than what they were before that big deleveraging in 2020 but it has crept back up to that mid single digits uh range the gu- company does further expect to be able to deleverage to about that one times in the next 12 months that's something which we'll be watching as leverage in these low margin manufacturing businesses if it does start to get into that Two and a half, three times range, that's where it can get quite iffy. If they cannot pay that down, obviously they're not there that high yet, but it can quickly go awry if you stay at that higher leverage for a long period of time because it's way at the already low margins. Further, if we take a step back looking at the historic trends on a 10 year timeline, the company has been unable to be consistently creative on per share growth and has seen rather stagnant since 2018, but that's really when they start to. Do their acquisitions as well as they saw the cyclical nature we saw slow down in the automotive industry and as well as industrial in the 2020 2021 year which of course as well uh, acquisitions they normally create a, a short to medium term drag on earnings as well as a, as the goal is normally to create long-term growth which is their goal here. So moving to valuations, the company is trading at eight times P and then EV to EBITDA four times. So the market at this time is really pricing in no real growth because they have that 1.4% yield on it as well, which implies the company is effectively expecting no growth or the market is expecting no growth for the company. Concluding, the company is becoming interesting as it is quite cheap and they have been on an acquisition spree over the last couple of years. The balance sheet post acquisitions still has room. It isn't at the point of being over leveraged, but it is something you do want to watch because if they were to go, let's say, do another one or two acquisitions, the same size of their that would put them at the upper end or over where we would like to see them. As of now, we would like to see growth from the integration of the acquisitions, as well as, of course, organic growth from their existing business lines. And we would need to see that hit the bottom line, not just sales growth. We need to see it per share. On a per share basis of earnings not just sales or not just EBITDA we need to see that in earnings as well with the latest acquisition we should be able to see a bit less cyclicality which is always nice to see as farming is less cyclical than the automotive industry and yeah as a whole we'll just continue to monitor the company for that per share growth so you the one thing which you'll really want to watch for if you do start to see the growth is if the market is willing to give them a bit of a higher multiple, if they can get that to that 10 times 12 uh, multiple for price to earnings, then you can really see some nice returns on a company like this. But to do that, they need to see some sort of a creative per share growth.
0: I agree. D- diversification outside of what was historically, what is historically a cyclical end market, the automobile segment um, would, would potentially afford a higher multiple at some point because that sector auto. Automotive parts essentially has traded at a discount for decades um, because of the inherent cyclicality although again the estimates right now are for linmore to grow again this year um, and grow on a per share basis so it does look cheap relatively on a on a historical basis and uh, to the market of course again auto parts manufacturers typically trade at a significant discount but it looks Quite significant now, given the fact that there is some growth as well. And there has been uh, uh, for a couple of years. So, yeah, it is, it is an interesting company. The dividend is not huge, but, um, you know, it, it it has grown. Has it not grown over yeah, time? Yeah, it, it, it is cons- it's, yeah.
2: It's inconsistent yeah. growth. So, like, okay, 08, yeah. they cut, 2022, yes. they cut, then they brought it back up, then it was flat for a few years. So, you're not going to see that year over year growth. <laughs> yeah. You see a jump up for a few years, then flat, then jump up.
0: Yeah, consistent with the mm-hmm. inconsistency of the market, exactly of the inconsistency mm-hmm. of its end market, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So I Makes really sense,
2: yeah, I put them as
0: cautious optimism at this time. Yeah, for sure. All right, Brennan, you got any final thoughts? Or are we good?
3: Um, I like that uh, one slide that you brought up, in, just from their investor presentation, showing like the the mm-hmm. deleveraging over time. You know, I think that that is oh. you know great that a company is is you know posting that and showing that and. You know, we'll monitor it going forward and see if they will deliver again a little here. That's it. That's all. Excellent. Great, great okay. Comment.
0: Well, let's close out. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Let's close out the show this week. Um, we're glad to have all our listeners. It looks like more and more listeners over time. Keep your questions coming in for our Your Stock, Our Take segments. We've got these mugs now. Everybody's wanting to get their hands on them. Send them out. Then we'll, we'll probably announce a winner of a mug uh, potentially next week. Yep. Uh, Again, questions coming in, rate and review us. If you're looking at this right now on YouTube, you can smash that subscribe button. Uh, If you're listening to this on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast, uh, rate and review us. Only positive reviews. That's what we like. And uh, again, I like to wish everybody out there profitable investing. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.